Welcome back to the most accurate podcast here at 444 Football. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, joined today with a man who already has the Week 12 rankings out because apparently football is also being played on Sunday this week, none other than John Paulson. John, how's it going? Not bad. I've actually got uh, Mike White in the rankings already, so I feel pretty up to speed. There is another quarterback change in Washington. Is that correct? No, not Washington. Houston. There's been a lot of changes. Yeah, Houston. Also, uh, Kyle Allen starting for Davis Mills. We will talk about that. Lots of other news to get to. A very, very busy week 12 because, of course, it's also the shortest week of the year. So why wouldn't they just throw all the news they can on top of us? Sam Hoppin, Director of Analytics here at 444. How are you doing, sir? I am doing well. Excited for the Thanksgiving holiday and ready to get a little bit of a break as much as we can. We'll get a little bit of a break on Friday, some of us anyways. But until then, there is a lot of football to discuss. And everything we discussed today, by the way, you can get a great deal on because our Black Friday deal, our annual tradition that only lasts through Cyber Monday, is now occurring. Up to 84% off any sub, but more importantly, a pro sub for just $9 the rest of the season. Head to 444.com slash plans and get it. Today, again, 84% off. Corporate told me that we have to run it, even though I didn't want them to. All your rankings and rest of season questions answered there on top of the Discord, which stays very active this time of year, whether it be Paulson's outside the box thinkings. What's it actually called, Paulson? Inside the box? Thinking inside the box. There you go. And thinking inside the box. And then, of course, uh, my waiver chat, which we leave open for three days after we actually chat together, and I'll run back in there and answer questions for everyone. We got some true sickos in there, too. I was getting asked week 16 defense questions, and I'm like, buddy, uh, I I love you, but also I don't genuinely know if my answer will help you out right now in week 11. Nonetheless, we are also here to discuss the news and to break down football for week 12. And the news begins with Daryl Henderson shockingly being waived after he played just two snaps, didn't record a touch as Cam Akers led this team with 14 carries, and Kyron Williams got also involved as the team's pass-catching workload, workhorse. And Paulson, it's an issue this week because the Rams now, without Matthew Stafford, most likely, uh, Bryson Hopkins taking reps as the team's first-string quarterback, Without Cooper Cup, who I still believe is not going to return at all this season because the Rams are just going to continue losing given their status right now. Uh, We have the Rams being 14-point road dogs in Arrowhead with these second-string options. And so my initial take is to get to Kyron Williams. But also last week, without Daryl Henderson, pretty much, Akers, RB33, Kyron Williams, RB38. So... They had this opportunity and still didn't really get there. What are your thoughts on the, is on the Rams' backfield moving forward? Ronnie Rivers also on the practice squad. I'm expecting him to get promoted this week as well. I mean, I think this is just a bad – this is amazing. These, these are the uh, Super Bowl de, uh, defending champs. Um, uh, this offense is really bad right now. Stafford likely out um, and just not going to be able to – likely move the ball very well or get into position to score. Um, Cam Akers uh, did have 14 carries uh, for 61 yards. So I guess in a desperation dart throw type situation, you would think that he'd be the goal line back. Uh, Kyron Williams um, did run 24 routes and he caught uh, one pass on two targets. He also added 36 yards on seven carries. Uh, Daryl Henderson did start the game, had two carries for nine yards, and then basically got benched, apparently due to some knee ailment, they're saying, and then they cut him. It's just a very weird relationship between the team and their running backs. I mean, the whole th- the whole Cam Akers saga, and now uh, Daryl Henderson gets cut when he's clearly their most effective running back. I don't think they're trying to win necessarily. I don't know what's going on. They're just trying to play out the the year and not get anybody else hurt. So this is not a really an uh, offense you want to buy into, you know, but if you're just looking from a touches standpoint, um, you know, maybe acres gets you double digit carries, but as you mentioned, John, this might be a, a Kyron Williams game where they're trailing and he's able to rack up three or four catches uh, against the chiefs who, who do give up some uh, catches to running backs. 
Bryce Perkins is also the quarterback I should mention who ha- who is a mobile rushing quarterback, which also takes away from this backfield. Sam, any thoughts on fab you would spend? Because I know a couple of these guys are still hanging around in main event leagues. And those leagues, you still have one in nine teams, for example, like bidding 75 bucks on defenses sniping from you because everyone in those leagues are also sickos. That's a it's an inter- interesting question. I mean, I'm in a 14 team league uh, outside of FFPC, and both Kyron and Cam Akers are still sitting on the waiver uh, in free agency after waivers ran last night. But I would, I mean, I'd probably spend you know 10 to 15 percent on on either of them um, of your starting starting waiver uh, amount because it's again the the offense is just terrible. I think it will sort of be between Kyron and Cam Akers. I'd lean Kyron a little bit more. It seems like they've wanted to get him more and more involved as just a couple of weeks removed from, you know, starting his first game of the season was battling with an injury uh, all season beforehand. Paulson mentioned he he ran about on about over 60% of the team's dropbacks, which is tremendous. He also played on, Kyron that is, played on four of the five red zone snaps for the Rams this past Sunday as well. So I think that's pretty, uh, pretty big too. So I would lean Kyron over acres again. If I'm a Rams running back though, I'm not, I'm, I'm renting versus buying in the the greater Los Angeles area. Also Tutu Atwell, of course, that big 60 yard touchdown. But as I noted in the waiver wire column, that was literally his only route of the game. So no need to chase that. Also, no buys this week because the NFL are also a bunch of sickos. So I would imagine you're not in a position to chase Allen Robinson. Uh, maybe next week as a bye week. He did score on his one end zone target. But again, really, really desperate there. Another piece of news for backfields is that Melvin Gordon outright waved altogether after fumbling in that game for the Broncos, not losing the ball, but still fumbling. And clearly Nathaniel Hackett had had enough of it. Chase Edmonds with a high ankle sprain also slapped on IR. So now that backfield is Latavius Murray, who had 17 carries, a new high for any running back for the Broncos in any game this year followed by Marlon Mack, who's expected to be active behind him from the practice squad, and Divine Azigbo. And it's a good matchup short-term, Paulson. Panthers, sixth most fantasy points per game allowed to running backs. So Latavius Murray, even without bye weeks, I do think is a little bit of a low-end RB2, fringe RB2, for whatever this offense can elevate him to. But long-term, do we foresee anyone coming and perhaps taking away Murray's role, or is this a player you actually want to trust as well as an RB3 the rest of the season? Well, I'd go get him if I needed any help at running back. He was available on the waiver wire in my keeper league. Somebody picked him up uh, last week before the game. It's a one running back league, so it's not as much of a demand on the running back position uh, as two quarterback leagues. But this he's going to be a volume-driven RB2 as long as the backfield looks like it does right now. Uh, he's not. He hasn't run very efficiently. His yards per carry you know, is pretty low. Uh, but he can catch the ball. He is pretty good around the goal line. So, you know, he should get there with with volume and he should see, you know, 15 plus touches pretty easily on a weekly basis. You know, if the personnel stays the same there, you know, maybe Henderson signs there. Uh, I don't know. Um, but even if he does, it might take him a couple of weeks to get up to speed and to kind of in, infringe on Murray's uh, backfield. I mean, what, what are the odds we could have gotten on Latavius Murray setting the week 12 or week 11? Uh, record for carries for the Broncos at the start of the season, you know, knowing, knowing that Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon were there and Murray was just a, a free agent on the street. The props maker, the lines maker at Circa would have gladly given us psychos any number we wanted on that. Sam, for this Broncos passing game as well, it continues just to be an issue because Russell Wilson isn't carrying anybody. Uh, this team is the only one averaging less than 15 points per game in the NFL right now. And so we've seen, Cortland Sutton's 24.5% target share the past two weeks without Jerry Judy. It honestly just hasn't mattered. It hasn't elevated him to anything. And so what are your thoughts on the Broncos pass catchers? Kendall Hinton also filling in this game with a route on over 90% of dropbacks is the clear-cut number two in place of Judy. Yeah, I think if you have Sutton, you're still probably going to continue to start him. Um, it's not pretty by any means but he he has the ability to uh 
go off. I think with, without Jerry Judy, he only has one end zone target in the last three games that they played. So that's a little bit lower than what he was doing earlier in the season where he had one in, in almost every single game, but it's, it's not an offense that you really want to be associating with just in, in any sense of the fashion. Um, you know, Latavius Murray, I think fills in as a, a nice RB two option given the workload that he will get. And I think that's obviously a big part of fantasy running back value, but I think him and Sutton and and probably Greg Dulcich as well are, are the only three guys worth starting at this point. I'll give my take on the on Sutton. I think that he's been decent uh last couple of weeks. He's 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 popping in the uh breakout receiver model due to the usage. Hasn't seen a touchdown uh or hasn't scored a touchdown since week uh week four. Um uh, but he's got 18 targets over the last two weeks, uh, eleven catches. 146 yards. So from a PPR standpoint, he's cleared 12.6 in back-to-back games <clears throat> with with Judy um, sidelined. Now I don't know. If, uh, I think I saw something that Judy might be back this week, and that's going to kind of throw this uh, receiving core a little bit into uh, you know up in the air. Um, but they have a, a series of pretty good matchups coming up um, this week. It's Carolina 24th and just a fantasy points allowed. Uh, to receivers, uh, Baltimore 17th, Kansas City 31st, and they don't have a bad matchup until week 15 um, against Arizona, fifth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to uh, receivers. So I guess looking you know, forward, it's just not a trustworthy offense, but um, you know, we get it down to to just Sutton and, and uh, Dolchich, and you can kind of start those two guys. But with Judy back, I think we're kind of up in the air. Um, I think the next thing maybe we can talk about uh, in terms of uh, some players that we can pick up uh, and maybe start some, some Ajay Pirine really came in and did a nice job uh, filling in for Joe Mixon, who has a concussion. Um, concussions tend to knock the player out of the, the next game, no pun intended, uh, with, the, with the new uh, rules. Um, but you want to talk a little bit about uh, Pirine's uh, usage in that game. He did catch three touchdowns and, um, you know, his matchup this week, uh, pretty favorable, uh, to pass catching, uh, running backs. Yeah. He had four targets, um, in the game, caught three of them for touchdowns. Like you said, the Bengals are throwing the ball quite a bit still, even without Jamar chase. I've been, you know, pleasantly surprised with how much they are throwing, uh, despite losing their best weapon on offense, but, P. Ryan ran a route on nearly 55% of the team's dropbacks. He had 11 carries as well. Wasn't particularly f- efficient with just 2.7 yards per carry here. But I think if if Mixon is out, Travion Williams is the only other guy for the Bengals. I think they sort of lean on P. Ryan. They've, they've used P. Ryan uh, in, in spot situations as well, even while Mixon has been healthy, so taking you know 100% of the red zone snaps this past week as well, I think was huge for for P Ryan. Yeah, as we as we welcome Daigle Daigle back, let me just t- touch on this matchup. The Titans are uh, second in the league in rushing yards allowed, at 82.2, 3.9 yards per carry allowed, but they do give up the most uh, pass catches to most receptions to running backs, uh, 72 on the year. So uh, that really plays into P Ryan's ability to catch the ball. Uh, so I think we might see him get most of his fantasy points in the passing game. What do you think, John? Burrow also targeting his backfield at the league's eighth highest rate. I do worry about the matchup on the ground, but as you mentioned, I think P Ryan offers a high floor. I also didn't suggest a lot of fab for him since we expect it to be just a one week replacement and then Mixon returns. Um, but yeah, it also this game, and I don't think it's too shocking. This game is one of the lowest totals of the week at 41 and a half points and just sinking given that the Titans get pressure with only four players. And that's what has given Burrow the most trouble this year. So I don't actually expect it to be a high scoring game, but P Ryan offering a high floor. Nonetheless, I also want to talk about the potential arrival of Jameson Williams, who was drafted in the first round, number 12 overall over 
Jahan Dotson, Traylon Burks, Christian Watson. So he has that pedigree, of course, since the Lions traded up for him. But also the fact that 21-day window now opened. We don't expect him to see him on Thanksgiving, but we do expect him to see within the next three games for Detroit. And there's really nowhere else Jared Goff is going with the ball. Amon Ross St. Brown has accounted for 38% of their targets without T.J. Hawkinson the past three games. So, Paulson, what do you see Williams, if anything, providing once he's able to return? Well, there's a role there. I mean, T.J. Hawkinson's gone. They're, they're not throwing to their tight ends a whole lot. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is really the only weapon in the passing game. Josh Reynolds is injured. He had a Reynolds had a pretty good stretch there uh, early in the season and has, just hasn't been able to get healthy. Uh, DJ Chark played a little bit um, this last game. He was back, but didn't do much at all. So there's definitely like space in this offense and targets available in this offense if Williams looks good and is healthy and can play a full complement of snaps. I mean, I would, you know, guard against starting him his first game back just because of you know what you're asking from from a player who's missed this much football. Um, but I think in general, maybe as a stash in, in 12 team leagues or larger. He might be somebody that can help, uh, you know, in the, in the in the fantasy playoffs if he gets off to a good start once he does return. Sam, any thoughts on Jameson Williams or maybe even Amon Ross St. Brown? Because the ESPN trade deadline is coming up this week. So it could be a potential possibility for someone to trade for Amon Ross St. Brown if that manager is worried about Jameson Williams soaking up his targets. Yeah, I'm not worried about Jameson Williams taking... Amon Ra St. Brown's targets uh, so far this season, St. Brown has an a dot of about 5.9 yards. He's uh, the only wide receiver outside of Tom Kennedy with an eight dot an a dot under 10 yards. So I expect Jamison Williams to fill in more as one of the deep threats, taking more opportunities from the combination of Josh Reynolds and DJ Chark um, was trying to pull up here the uh, Detroit schedule for the playoffs. They in weeks 15, they play the Jets and then Carolina and then Chicago. So some some decent matchups. And and if he's able to get back for uh, potentially the Jacksonville game next week or Minnesota, those are some some solid matchups as well. So it's I, I find it difficult to be in a position where you're going to want to start Jamison Williams. But if he, if he really blows up in, in the first game that he's back, I think that Lions offense is good enough and have has moved the ball enough there. They're in passing situations enough where he, he could get it done with five, six targets. If he uh, is the Jamison Williams that everyone expects him to be. Mike White announced a starter for the Jets. Zach Wilson, who will be inactive on Sunday, the third stringer, with Joe Flacco filling in as the team's backup. But more importantly, Corey Davis also practicing in full on Wednesday. So how do you figure this wide receiver situation with Elijah Moore even playing from the slot, shaking out moving forward from White Paulson? Well, I think the thing to note with White is that he targeted running backs at an extreme rate last year he he only played about 2.75 games of action over four games because he didn't play a full game got a couple I think he got three starts partial games here and there Uh, but he targeted Michael Carter 29 times on 132 pass attempts and then targeted running backs in general 50 out of 132 which is an extreme extreme rate and so that's going to impact if that continues that's going to impact the receivers negatively uh, certainly, Ty, uh, Tyler Conklin as well uh, impacted negatively. Um, we don't know for sure what's going to happen this year. It's a different receiving core. Uh, Garrett Wilson's now there, uh, so they may change things around. White might target other players, but based on that subset or sub uh, uh, subset, it's, it's just like very, very, very running heavy, run heavy, uh, running back heavy in terms of the passing game. So I think uh, Michael Carter is looking like a pretty good start given that i mean you're basically talking 20 receptions and 2.75 games from from white that's about seven catches uh just for just for carter so uh you know we'll see how they split that between robinson and ty johnson but um I, you know not a lot of downfield stuff with mike white it was 37 percent of his pass attempts that he targeted running backs but 
Sharp Football's Rich Rebar also noted on Twitter that maybe, not guaranteed, but maybe that's also because he looked up and remember Keelan Cole and Denzel Mims were his wide receiver ones in those games. So that could also be the issue, um, something that's up in the air. But Sam, this year when he looks up, either way, it's going to be Davis, Wilson, and Elijah Moore. Uh, who are you choosing between Corey Davis and Garrett Wilson rest of season? Since remember, at least from Zach Wilson, Corey Davis was leading this team in targets and receiving yards. I'm going to bet out on the the talent of, excuse me, of Garrett Wilson here. He, before last week, which was just, you know, abysmal for the Jets on all fronts, had two straight games with at least six catches and 90 yards receiving. I do think, you know, to your point that the weapons that uh, wide receiver and tight end are, are better for Mike White this year than they were last year. I hope that Salah gives him the talk and says, hey, Garrett Wilson and Elijah Mora are the guys to, you know, start targeting them uh, a little bit more and, and not to lean on Michael Carter quite as much. But again, Garrett Wilson has graded out very well as a rookie wide receiver so far. And I do think White will tend to push the ball down the field a little bit more this season. DJ Moore did not record more than 60 receiving yards in any game with Baker Mayfield this year. But now it's Sam Darnold under center in a tough spot, too, against the Broncos defense. Uh, We have come full circle, Paulson, because now everyone is convincing themselves that DJ Moore will suddenly be better, even though last year's situation is what we were hoping got better over the offseason. What are you doing with DJ Moore rest of season? Well, last year he posted 1,100 yards, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, So... You know, you just look at Darnold, and he was decent with more 7.1 yards per target to DJ Moore last year. Uh, Darnold's yards per attempt were 6.2, so he's you know better than his average to Moore. So, like this looks like an upgrade. Like the the Baker Mayfield DJ Moore experiment is just not working. Uh, you know, sometimes when you make this quarterback change, you get something good out of it, or sometimes you get something bad. And for Moore, it's been really bad. Uh, he was better with PJ Walker than he was with with Mayfield. So now you're looking. If, if let's say we have uh, Darnold starting the rest of the season, um, you're looking at a guy who supported uh, more as an 1100 yard receiver last year uh, and decent yards per target. So with the Robbie Anderson trade uh, and Christian McCaffrey trade, you know more should see eight to ten targets per game pretty easily. And if you're if you're looking at you know, seven targets or seven yards per target. Now you're, you know, in that 60, 70 yards where we want to be in terms of having a, a solid fantasy starter. Sam, any chance that Terrell's Terrace Marshall also hangs around who has been a viable flex option for the bye weeks, probably not necessary with no bye weeks this upcoming Thanksgiving weekend, but overall did still lead this team in receiving yards this past game from Baker Mayfield still led in targets. What are your thoughts on Terrace Marshall as well? Moving forward. Uh, Terrace Marshall, I, I don't know how you can get there. Again, a lot of people pointing to the 2021 stats for DJ Moore with Sam Darnold. Uh, I don't think Terrace Marshall was really that active last year as well, but it's, you know, Paulson pointed out he's got, you know, Moore's got to get at least eight targets or, or something per game without these guys. He doesn't have more than six in the last three games. So I, I struggle to see how you want to start either of these guys. I mean, I think Moore is probably a decent flex option if you're you're in that position. Um, but I I would certainly not start Terrace Marshall given uh, that there aren't any teams on by this week and should have plenty of time to figure out other injury replacements. What we saw before. The bye, Paulson, was Leonard Fournette not starting Munich. Rashad White got the start, but Fournette still out-touched Rashad White 14-11 to until the time he got injured in the second quarter. And from that point forward, Rashad White out-touched Keyshawn Vaughn 13-3. to Before that bye, Adam Schefter came out and said, Leonard Fournette not going to miss any time. Todd Bowles came out afterwards and said, we're not sure. Uh, I believe Schefter over any coach speak to this point, but... Let's say Fournette is back in the lineup because it's a very easy situation to solve, especially against the Browns' run defense, if Fournette's out. You just start Rashad White. You don't ask questions. But if Fournette's back, how are you handling these two running backs for Week 12? 
Well, I think I think he will be back. He was spotted at practice. He was practicing with the team. He wasn't off to the side with you know the other injury guys. So uh, it does appear that he's going to be back, had helmet in hand and all that. So based on my read of the the beat writer uh, photos and stuff, uh, looks like he's going to play. So I have him in the rankings right now. Uh, it, it would have been nice to get one game uh, with Rashad White as the uh, RB1 with no Fournette hanging around uh, just to see what he could do, especially in such a juicy matchup against the, the Browns. Uh, but the, my read on it is, you know, and I wonder about who the whole point of, of White starting. Uh, I, mean, I don't know if that was, you know, punishment for Fournette for getting his passport or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what was going on with that whole thing. Uh, Germany game, but um, I, I look at it like they're kind of shifting the backfield towards White, and if they are going to give him a start in, in Week 10, then I would assume that they would give it to him in Week 12. He did, certainly didn't do anything to lose the starting job if he won it, so um, I have him slightly ahead of Fournette right now in the rankings, but it's really a, a toss-up. We're probably going to see a rotation um, between the two uh just basically an even 50-50 split if Fournette is fully healthy. Also a little bit concerning too, because Fournette had six targets. He had eight, if you include penalties, which we don't because that's cheating, so it doesn't come back for fantasy points. But he had six targets in that first half. Rashad White didn't have any. So that's also an interesting take on your rankings. Uh, Sam, is this a situation for shallower leagues where you want to go out and buy one or the other? I I think I'd buy... Rashad White, I mean, I mean, the writing has been on the wall for the last couple of weeks. I think, you know, with the draft capital that Tampa Bay invested in Rashad White, they clearly signaled that they, I think, want him to be the future. Obviously got the start last week, whether it was because of the passport or not. But I, you know, I would start both of these guys, even if Fournette is healthy. The Brown's rush defense is just so bad. There have been six running backs so far this season to get at least 15 carries against the Browns and they're averaging 96 rushing yards and at least one touchdown for all of them. So it's, it's a situation too with Tampa Bay's pass rate sort of dropping each of the last three weeks that uh, they probably want to run the ball more, even though they just aren't that good at it. So if they are running the ball more, there's there's more a, a bigger pie to go around. And even if they are splitting it, I think there's an opportunity for both of them to have solid fantasy days. Can I add uh, uh, an alert that I just got for my wonderful fantasy life? Which really is, I know we sound like company, man, but genuinely, I know Ryan McDowell, uh, one of the owners of Dynasty League Football notes this on Twitter all the time, but you genuinely get those updates from the Fantasy Life app two to five minutes quicker than any other app. Like, that's what I use for my news as well. It's great. And yeah, and then that allows you to go jump on the waiver wire sometimes. Yep. I've, I've, I've put it to prop use bets as yourself. well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Scott Smith's reporting that uh, Todd Bull says that uh, Leonard Fournette hit pointer is very sore. If he improves during the week to the point he can run at full speed, he will play Sunday. If he doesn't, he won't. So it does sound like there's some um, concern that uh, Fournette won't be able to play on uh, on Sunday. And if Fournette plays, as you mentioned, you have him ranked as a low-end RB2. Uh, I have him ranked uh, as an RB3. Fournette with with White is also as an RB3 and basically a 50-50 uh, timeshare. I like my view on it is that Fournette's injured. So they, they may limit him. I don't have confidence that they're going to give him his normal workload or even play him 60% of the snaps, uh, given the hit pointer. Would you, if you had this position, since this show is pertinent this week, because people have start decisions to make on Thursday rather than waiting for Sunday. Uh, so would you, let's say, I think a fringe player would be Damian Harris. Would you play Damian Harris over Leonard Fournette? If you're waiting for that? Uh, well, you're, you're banking that Fournette can play. It depends on your pivot off of Fournette if you have to wait until Sunday. Um, are you talking because Harris plays on Thursday, right? Right. So, yeah. Uh, so you're asking that question. Um, like there, I have Harris at 42 and I have Fournette at 31. And right now it sounds to me like maybe Fournette's 50 50 or, <clears throat> excuse me, 60 40 to play. So 
if you're going to wait on him, then you need to make sure you have somebody decent to, to pivot to on Sunday. What about the opposite scenario in that I have Jamal Williams, let's say, and we're waiting on the Rashad White news. Would you just go ahead and play Jamal Williams, or do you think Rashad White is a better play, even if Fournette is active? I think Williams is uh, has been awesome all year, high touchdowns, and even though it's a, not a great matchup against the Bills, uh, the one area where they kind of struggle is against the run. Uh, so he's pretty likely to get into the end zone, so I think I would go Williams on Thursday, but certainly you're looking for a way to get White into your lineup if he is the... <laughs> Uh, if Fournette is inactive because White's going to bolt into the top 15 or so in, in the rankings. Like yeah, I mean, Komet, oh, go ahead, Sam. I, I'm actually on the, the opposite side here. I mean, I think, so I know I've mentioned Connor Allen and I's team uh, a bit on this show throughout the season, and we have that exact situation where we have McCaffrey locked into our RB1 spot. We have both Jamal and Rashad White, and we're going to go with White. I mean, I think the injury news with, Fournette at this point is more pessimistic and it sounds like he has more hurdles to cross in order to be able to play. And even if he does play, he will, it sounds like he'll be limited or has a chance to re-injure that in the game. Again, I, I don't want to make too much of the matchup, but the the Browns rush defense is just, it's historically bad at this point by several efficiency metrics. So I'm rolling with with White at this point. I, I do, you know, Jamal has been a, a bright spot in fantasy with all of the touchdowns that he's scoring. But if he's not scoring a touchdown, it's it's a very bad game for him at the right now, especially with Swift back. And like Cole Komet not being able to score touchdowns in every catch, like Deontay Foreman not being able to play the Falcons for 17 games out of the year. Uh, I do kind of worry that Jamal Williams now six touchdowns in his last four games. That's basically like sustaining his production. And I understand he gets all the touches inside the five-yard line unless they're leading the Giants by three scores. Then they'll bring DeAndre Swift in for a pat on the back to kill the game. But I, I do worry about the touchdown rate for Jamal Williams. So I may be dangling him at the trade deadline as well. Uh, Sam, let's start with you for this one because – the Chiefs wide receivers are a touch and go. And I had to talk a lot of people off the ledge in my waivers chat saying we're holding Kadarius Tony, even though we probably don't expect him to play this week. DMP on Wednesday as well. But Judas Schuster, the obligatory one game absence from a concussion, he's returning to practice. We expect him to clear concussion protocol this week. Uh, Justin Watson quietly led the team in routes run this past game, a 97% route rate, while Sky Moore had more two more targets than Justin Watson, but a route on less than 50% of dropbacks. And historically this year, we've seen Sky Moore's the one who always, they feel comfortable in pushing back down to the bench. So given the situation, what we think is going to happen, Juju in, Kadarius Tony out, McCole Hardman out, how do you see these wide receivers playing out behind Judas Smith-Schuster again, as two touchdown favorites at home. So I do think that Juju is the one, he, he's the wide receiver one in this offense, it seems like. Prior to the 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 concussion, he was leading the, the receivers and targets, and MBS was uh, a solid player as well, had, had scored a couple touchdowns as well. He ran around on 76% of the team's dropbacks. I, I think I would rather lean on Again, it's scary with the injury situation and Tony, whether he is healthy or not. But I do think the upside is there for him. I do believe that he will start to run more routes as he gets healthier. But if there is any sort of injury concern, I do think you should probably shy away from him. But I'm not worried about the Chiefs being two touchdown favorites. I mean, if they're that big a favorite, they have to get a lead somehow and they can do that efficiently with Patrick Mahomes I mean we've seen him you know put it on and and make fantasy value out of just one half of a game and it's the same for the receivers they can easily find the end zone so you know the Chiefs in the top three in the league and pass rate over expectation they're going to continue to pass the ball if they're up four scores in with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter they probably pull these guys but by then some of them have likely made their day. So I think, again, if you if you have Tony at this point, you've probably, again, found other options to, to play throughout the season. So that might be a safer option as well. I do believe the Chiefs play in the late afternoon. 
uh, as well, if I'm rem remembering correctly. So you might have to make a decision before then, but at least you, um, you know, hopefully get some news over the next couple of days. Rank the Chiefs receivers for week 12, Paulson, and also set a notification in your phone to remind me in July to draft Travis Kelsey in the first round, no matter what. Yeah. So the, the, uh, the rumors of his demise uh, due to age were his efficiency was down last year, but he is just getting peppered with uh, targets and especially in the red zone, just crazy amount of work for Travis Kelsey. But you already can foresee the argument. Like, you know what we do every year. We're going to be talking about regression well, again when actually well, he should be, be like the 101. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's going to be 34. So you're going to start, right? So you're going to be yeah. start talking about that. Uh, no, I think uh, Juju is practicing. Uh, so I assume he'll be back this week. Uh, he's the clear wide receiver one, as Sam mentioned. And I think after that, uh, you know, MBS is running a lot of routes, not doing a whole lot. Uh, Justin Watson is running a lot of routes, not doing a whole lot. And then you're probably looking at uh, Sky Moore as your fourth receiver. The, I would only feel confident about starting. Uh, as far as pass catchers there, Kelsey uh, and Juju uh, really on a weekly basis. The, the other guys are just too spotty and you just don't know exactly where Mahomes is going to go with the ball. He might throw to the tight ends. Uh, and, uh, you know, Pacheco, I think has some interest is interesting. He's not really a pass catcher, um, but with Clyde Edwards Hilaire on the, on the shelf with a high ankle sprain, uh, you're probably looking at Pacheco with 15 plus carries uh, in the short term. A Yahtzee spot. For Pacheco as well, because it's not only Clyde Rizlair getting moved to injured reserve, but Jarrett McKinnon fumbling on his carry when they were trying to ice a one-score lead. The Chargers then scored on their next drive. Didn't matter because the Chiefs can move the ball in 30 seconds. But yeah, I, I think we're going to see a, a pretty interesting situation for Pacheco, even more so coming out of this game. A few buy-low situations or sell high, perhaps, because the worst happened, Paulson. We didn't think that the Texans offense could sink Damian Pierce. And that's what they did with 10 carries for eight yards, still 12 of the team's 13 running back touches though. So the usage looking from the outside was good. The results weren't even close. And now we fear with Kyle Allen going under center that this offense maybe just gets worse as well. What are your thoughts on Damian Pierce for the rest of the season? Because it is the lowest point people can maybe go trade for him or try to get off of him. Yeah, if you look at uh, his uh, player page and you kind of know this is one thing I do and a player has a kind of a bad game and you, you look at Washington, they were third in adjusted fantasy points allowed to to running backs. The week before against the Giants, who were 17th, he had 94 yards rushing, 28 yards receiving. The week before against the the, the Eagles, ninth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs, uh, 139 yards rushing. And then a, another bad game against the Titans, uh, who were second in adjusted fantasy points allowed. Uh, to running backs, he had 35 yards rushing, 16 yards receiving, and a touchdown. And then you look at his rest of season schedule. I think Miami will be okay. He'll be he'll he'll be decent. It's a neutral matchup. They're 11th uh, in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. And then of course our uh, the Browns, who we've talked about uh, already, 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. So the next two weeks I think are good. But you're just you know you look ahead. He's got Dallas in week 14. That's a bad matchup. Tennessee again week 16. He's also got. Uh, the Chiefs in week 15, Jacksonville week 17. So it just might be a, you know, week to week situation with Pierce having good games, bad games, but uh, at least he's uh, done pretty well in the neutral to good matchup. So it's somewhat predictable which, which teams and which games he's going to struggle in. I'm on mute. Uh, Sam, what about you for Damien Pierce and maybe even these Texans wide receivers? Because we now have the last four full games together. Nico Collins has out-targeted, has two more targets than Brandon Cooks, and has nearly lapped him with almost 100 more receiving yards. But we think we may even lose Nico Collins' floor from Kyle Allen. So what are you doing here with this offense? Um, I'm throwing it away like I'm going to throw away the cranberry sauce that gets brought to uh, the Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow. That's a good but, take, uh, by the way. I, I do think that's the worst dish on the table, Paulson. I don't know your thoughts okay. on cranberry sauce. I'm just going to stay out of it. <laughs> you're you're not scared to tell people to to buy low on a player, but when it comes to food takes, you don't want your mentions. I don't. No, I don't. 
I'm not a fan, uh, but uh, if it gets back to my wife that uh, I don't like, oh, she cooks it, got it. And, yeah, that's so. well, that's, that's a man a, who's that, been happily married. Bit. That's a man who's been happily married for a while. I try, Sam, I, try, take I, tried to, I tried to stay out of it. Yeah, take lessons, Sam. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not pretty. The the Dolphins' defense has not been particularly. They haven't been great. They haven't been terrible either. So it's it's not a, a matchup thing that you're really looking to take advantage of, but the efficiency for you're just praying that they fall into the end zone. They're not going to get there on volume. They're not going to get there on efficiency either. So if you're, if you're willing to roll that dice, by all means uh, do that and come play poker with me the next time you're playing, but it's, uh, I'd rather just ride them on the bench and, you know, I'd, I'd probably rather if, Kadarius Tony is healthy. I'd rather play him with the potential for him to re-aggravate his injury than play one of the Texans wide receivers. Not only did Alan Lazard record a team high 11 targets, 28% target share, his season high mark as well against the Titans, but now Lazard has a 20% target share in seven consecutive games. 12 targets to Christian Watson's 14 the past two weeks. And as we know, Watson is doing this five touchdowns on just 14 targets, whereas he had 88 yards and zero touchdowns on his first 14 targets. So, Paulson, what are we doing with Al Lazard, Christian Watson here? It is easy to keep saying start them, but honestly, the rest of the season, the way it goes, like, yes, Watson has a higher ceiling, but I think Lazard's the player you want over Watson personally. Well, I think he's a little more trustworthy. Uh, we've seen it all year from him, you know, producing pretty well, uh, getting targets pretty consistently. Uh, you look at them as players, though, and you can see that Watson has so much more potential due to his size-speed combo. And if he learns how to run routes and earns Aaron Rodgers' trust, which it appears he's doing, uh, the sky's the limit for him. Uh, so I have them pretty close in the rankings this this week, you know, the last couple of weeks, Lazard's been well ahead, <clears throat> excuse me, well ahead of, of Watson. But when you score five touchdowns in two games and really start to jibe with a, a very uh, grumpy uh, Aaron Rodgers, then, you know, things are starting to go go right for you. Uh, this is a tough matchup, though. The Eagles are defensive backs are good. They're fifth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to, to receivers. So I'm not really expecting a big game for this passing attack, although... Rodgers is, I think, fifth or something like that in uh, passing touchdowns this year in terms of in terms of scoring touchdowns uh, through the air. They're doing pretty well. I think only four rushing touchdowns for the team. So, you know, pretty good chance that he's going to throw two touchdowns and it's just a matter of who they go to. Um, but I think given what's happened, you know, you're feeling pretty good about, you know, starting Watson or, or Lazard. Like, they're both pretty good starts this week. We, you know, wide receiver three types. They're not Guys, you're crazy about having your lineup given the matchup, but uh, you could do a lot worse. Temperature check on what you're doing with Watson and Lazard, Sam. So last week I I said that, I said on Twitter that Aaron Jones is the only startable Packer and some people got after me because it's like, well, we're spending all this fab on Christian Watson. I'm not going to not start him. But if you're really telling me that you're going to bank on someone who had three touchdowns in his first good game, then... I mean, go ahead, but and then he <laughs> turns around and scores two more touchdowns. But he's ran around on seventy-five percent of dropbacks in each of the last two games. the The issue I have with the Packers is their pass rate is just fluctuating so much this season that to have any trust in the receivers at this point is is difficult and. I do agree with both of you that Lazard is the the more consistent one. He's consistently getting playing time. He's consistently getting targeted from Rodgers. So he has the higher floor. I don't think he has quite the same ceiling as Watson, as we've seen from him the past couple of weeks. Again, I'm, I'd much rather start either of these Packers wide receivers than the Texans wide receivers because they – they just have a better chance of getting into the end zone than anyone from the Texans does. But it's really just Lazard and Watson is the only two guys I would consider starting from this Packers offense. When I was 
watching last week's game against the Jets, Paulson, I thought, oh, Damian Harris does look good. And it's kind of what we expected. Remember that game before the bye? He wasn't out for injury. He got ruled out with an illness. So Harris, 14 days to heal, looked spry. But then I went back, charted all the usage notes, the targets and whatnot later that evening. And it's and what popped was that, oh, the usage didn't change, though, for Ramondre Stevenson. Out touched Damon Harris 21 to 10, ran 27 routes to Harris's five, and net has a 22% target share in his last three games. Also 13 catches in his last two games, he played with Damian Harris. So all of that tells me we should definitely be trying to buy high on Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah, and uh, you know, 78% snap rate to 24% for Harris. So you see that the, that's the split right now. I mean, the only concern, I think, is that you look at this as a, in a one-game sample against the same defense. Stevenson rushed for 26 yards on 15 carries, really struggled, whereas Harris looked better, eight for, for 65. And the, the only, I mean, I've been ranking Stevenson pretty high due to this really consistent usage. He also, I mean, he had the six for 56 as a receiver, so he got there. Uh, you know, in the passing game. But the only concern is that if this continues and all of a sudden, you know, Stevenson's going one or two yards per carry and Harris is rushing for eight yards per carry, we know Bill Belichick and company are going to shift gears back to Harris. He's a very good running back and, and started the year as the starter. Doesn't mean he's going to take over the starting job again, but they're you're going to be in a game like this where this is this is the way it's going for Stevenson. All of a sudden, he doesn't get those 15 carries. He's getting 10. And, you know, five of those carries are going over to Harris as they ride the hot hand. Sam, backfield for the Patriots. Any thoughts? I mean, I I would certainly be buying high on Ramondre Stevenson. There are only five running backs this season that have a higher target share than him, which I, I don't think many people expected coming into the season i think a lot of people expected ty montgomery or jj taylor or those sorts of, sorts of guys to be taking over the pass catching role in the offense damian harris is just not at, at all involved in the passing game or the receiving game and stevenson has at least 19 opportunities in each of the last six games that's with harris being mixed in and out again i I understand Paulson's concern with the lack of efficiency and does Bill Belichick notice that and change playing time because of it. But I I do think in this one game sample, it's really the first game that Harris has been uh, that efficient. So I, I, I would continue to buy high on Ramondre Stevenson and start him wherever I have him. You know, I think, I think looking at rest of the season, this was his last tough matchup. Uh, the Jets, so Minnesota, Buffalo, Arizona, Vegas, Cincinnati, Miami, all neutral to good matchups. So, you know, you're probably looking, I mean, if you just look at Stevenson's game log, over four yards per carry, and, you know, if you don't, if you throw out this last game against the Jets, he's been over uh, four yards per carry in six of his last seven games. So this is probably just a blip on the radar. And all playoff matchups can, of course, be found at our 44.com playoff matchup planner. Sam, the people are here for charts. So let's get to the Washington backfield, which has opened up for two players, Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, with J.D. McKissick battling that serious neck injury the rest of the way. Yeah, so J.D. McKissick put on IR, has missed the last couple of games. So that just leaves Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson. Robinson has outcarried Gibson 54 to 43 since week nine. That was the, the first week that... McKissick missed, but that's really all that Robinson has going for him. Gibson is playing on 15% more snaps. He's run a route on 57.6% of Washington's dropbacks since week nine compared to just 14% for Robinson. So Gibson has the passing down work on lock at this point, and that inherently, I think, gives him the higher ceiling. I'd continue to hold Brian Robinson, I think when there are advantageous matchups, he's still worth playing. But Gibson is is starting to get, I think, a bit of that workload that a lot of people expected. Paulson, short-term thoughts on Antonio Gibson here, who may actually be a buy-low player, given that Brian Robinson isn't taking, isn't impacting the pass-catching role at all from Gibson. Yeah, he's not doing anything in the passing game. Uh, Gibson, I wrote him up for 
uh, sneaky starts this week and uh, looking for my right up there. Uh, uh, opposing backfields for the uh, for the Falcons, 130 total yards, 1.09 touchdowns. Uh, Gibson splitting time with Robinson, obviously, but he's outgained Robinson 285 to 201 in the last four games. So he's you know retaining a very big role and is just outplaying Robinson right now. So I I think he's a nice start against Atlanta. And Gibson, who or Robinson's route rate is what has dipped now progressively in three consecutive games. Sam, let's discuss the Bills running backs because my take on this game for Thursday is that, you know, especially for DFS purposes, everyone's trying to jam Josh Allen and why not? He has the highest ceiling by a mile of all the quarterbacks available on Thursday, but also the Bills hid Josh Allen in the second half. Allen, of course, who has four interceptions and three fumbles the last two games. Uh, they called 19 running back carries to 11 dropbacks in that contest with just a 13-10 lead from the third quarter on. They didn't want him making decisions in the second half, and so they leaned on their running backs, and that's opened the door for James Cook. Yeah, so real quick, Naeem Hines, I think, can be dropped. He's played just seven seven total snaps in the, in the three games that he's been with Buffalo is playing some special teams, but that's about it. James Cook usage, uh, to your point, has seen a slight uptick. He has a 21.2% snap rate since week nine, which is when Zach Moss uh, was traded away and Hines was brought in. I don't think that's enough to give him standalone value without an injury to Singletary, who has about a 72% snap share on the season and over the last couple of weeks. So his usage hasn't really changed. The thing with the Bills last week is they, again, they, I believe, had a negative pass rate over expectation for the first time this season. And again, they were playing the Browns. I know I've mentioned them and their rush defense a, a lot this episode, but teams against the Browns are averaging a negative 3.1% pass rate over expectation, which is the ninth lowest in the league. So teams know to be running against Cleveland and I, you know, the Lions are not far behind at a negative 1.5% pass rate over expectation for opposing defense or excuse me, opposing offenses. So there is a situation I think here with if the Bills get out to an early lead, they I don't want to say shut down Josh Allen, but to your point, try to mitigate some of the hits that he could potentially be taking because he is not one to shy away from getting hit at this point. And especially with having another 10 days after the game to recoup, I think would be huge for them. But I think Devin Singletary would be, to your point, uh, Daigle, a perfect leverage spot in DFS for the Thanksgiving slate on Thursday. Where do you have Cook and Singletary ranked for this week? A tremendous matchup, obviously, against the Lions front seven, Paulson. Yeah, things are a little weird this week because we're back to no buys. So the rankings look a little different. We've been We've had Singletary, you know, top 20 ish um last few weeks due to buys but i have him at 27 um right now and uh cook who he definitely is holding on to that rb2 job there uh, at 48 i think he's kind of a sneaky start uh against detroit i mean detroit's probably better against the run than they are really any other you know against the pass uh they're they're not, they're not good against quarterbacks they're not good against receivers they're not good against tight ends uh so that, like this is the the toughest matchup but they're still not you know, elite. So I think uh, Singletary could, uh, you know, find the end zone once or twice. Cook also his second highest share of backfield touches in any game this year, this past week against the Browns. Uh, what about the Eagles pass catchers, Sam? Because we saw kind of what we figured in their first game without Dallas Goddard is that what if you just throw to Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown more? And those two players soaked up 64% of the team's targets rather than trying to get anyone else involved. Yeah, so you can see on the chart here, we've got team pass rate over expectation by week. And Philadelphia has sort of jumped up and down all over the place with them trending down the last couple of weeks. I don't know if it's that they aren't trusting Jalen Hurts as much anymore, but earlier in the season, it looked like A.J. Brown was the clear-cut wide receiver one in this offense, but it looks like Devonta Smith has pulled a little bit closer as more of a 1B to Brown's 1A. This could be partly due to Brown nursing an ankle injury the last couple of weeks, but Smith has now out-targeted 
targeted Brown 17 to 10 over the past two weeks combined. So I think, yes, losing Dallas Goddard, people expect there to be more targets for these receivers, but he operated at a completely different area of the field than everyone else. He had a 5.2 yard average depth of target, which was the lowest for all Eagles players with at least 10 targets this season. So we did see a couple times in the game against Indianapolis that they tried to get some screens going for AJ Brown. Hopefully they continue to do that in the future because Brown is so good after the catch, but it is something where I think, again, you're not sitting these guys. I think when they are on the main slate, unless things change, probably fade them in DFS at this point because it's the volume just isn't there like it was earlier in the season. And I think just tempering expectations with what their potential ceiling is each week. Given that the last three games the Eagles have played have actually been closer than the box scores appear against uh, the Texans and the Washington, would you be trying to trade for A.J. Brown for Devontae Smith, Paulson, one or the other, thinking that, okay, maybe maybe there has been a weakness found against this Philadelphia offense, and thus we're just going to buy, be buying low on these two receivers? Well, I think, you know, the upcoming matchups are pretty, pretty good. Uh, one negative one, it's the, it's the Bears, so not too negative. And I do feel a lot more confident in starting. I mean, I think A.J. Brown's at every week start, but I think I'm a lot more confident in uh, Devonta Smith's floor with Goddard not on the field. I mean, I just think that when a, they're, they're planning their, their game plan every week, they're now looking to ensure that he's not going to see two targets like he did in week nine. Uh, you know, four targets like he did in week one, week four. Instead, he's got this floor now, uh, last two weeks of eight and nine targets. And he, as we, you know, we know he's a good player. Um, so if he's getting that sort of work, it's it's, it's nice to see this offense at least run through two receivers because I think you can count on both of them uh, in general uh, moving forward as long as Goddard is out. But if Goddard comes back, that throws that throws Smith's ceiling and floor up in the air. The Cowboys play after their blowout 37 point blowout over the Vikings the largest blowout of any game any team this year in the NFL now play against a Giants team that are on two second string offensive linemen and one fourth string offensive lineman it is a disastrous situation for the Giants right now at the absolute worst time Sam what do you see in this Cowboys receivers room right now so I, I was hoping that when Dak Prescott returned from injury in week seven that they would start to pass the ball a little bit more, but they have just a negative 2% pass rate over expectation uh, since Prescott return. And part of this is due to the fact that their three wins in that span have come with a margin of victory with at least 18 points. So they are blowing these teams out. It Again, based on everything you just said, there's a very real chance that this happens on Thursday again. So I think Lamb and Schultz are Dalton Schultz, uh, excuse me, are two guys that you can start again. They they need to score those points somehow. So I think there's an opportunity for both of them to continue to provide fantasy value and, and a lot of it. The one guy that I am a little bit more hesitant on is Michael Gallup, who has sort of taken a back seat, started off a little bit uh, pretty good at the start of the season coming off of an ACL scored a touchdown in week one, but he hasn't scored since he has just one end zone target in the last four games. He's still running a route on 78 and a half percent of Dallas's dropbacks. So that makes me slightly bullish that if Dallas does start to pass more that he will be a beneficiary in this offense, but it's, it's definitely, I definitely wouldn't want to trust him in a lineup right now, but I think he's a potential buy with uh, some of the teams that they have remaining and if the other teams can push the Dallas Cowboys. And given that potential blowout factor, Paulson, for their running backs also, I'm assuming you believe both Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott great plays in this game. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, the Giants have not stopped the run very well. Uh, just on the targets note, though, it is Gallup is in the last two weeks is a distant fourth. Well, I guess he's, I mean, he's third among uh, pass catchers. Lamb has 20. Dalton Schultz has 13. Tony Pollard has 12. And that's what I wanted to note is that, <clears throat> excuse me again, 
Uh, he's got six targets each of the last two weeks, and there was a big stretch uh, in this Cowboys offense where they weren't passing to the to the running backs at all, and now they're starting to use him more as a pass catcher, which I think you know underlines his value rest of season. And Gallup is just sort of a wide receiver for a dart throw at this point with with the way this offense is going. I just don't have the confidence that he's going to to put up any fantasy points in any given week. It's just you know seven uh, and four targets, uh, just not enough uh, consistent workload for him to be an every week starter. With that, gentlemen, what else do you have coming out on the site for everyone for Thanksgiving, Paulson? Uh, sneaky starts. Uh, and then I'm taking Friday off, which I'm excited about. I'm just going to do a little bit of work on Friday, spend some Living time with the life. family. Uh, and uh, obviously updating rankings for the Thanksgiving games and uh, taking care of uh, the rankings for uh, Sunday. Sam, what about you? Hey, I'd hop into conclusions come out just before the show today. Not going to have a breakout article this week, but we'll be uh, tweeting out the the charts that I make. For that, had the had my matchups thread that I put together uh, out this week. So pretty much going to be taking the rest of the week off and uh, enjoying football, food, and, and family. I will not be enjoying life, and I will be working. DFS content on the site by Wednesday night for everyone for Thanksgiving. Also, we'll be in the Discord Thursday morning. And, of course, D- DFS Discord with other contents Friday and Saturday. And you can re- get access, remember, by going to 44.com slash plans, $9 for a pro sub. Get off your ass. What are you doing? Until then, though, we will see you in the Discord because you're going to get that sub. And remember, be a little bit kinder than what you want. We'll see you next time.